we delve a little bit more behind the scenes and we look at wins, leaks, the news, a little bit of a peek behind what's going on in our, our personal lives and how that affects the business. Computer messed up at the credit card company's end. They ultimately ended up with a significant number of issues. Ultimately, we ended up with a client with something that was outside of their control caused a bit of a catastrophe, I suppose, within their business. And actually, the result we came up with for this client was to spread their risk. So spread the risk, increase the security. Brilliant. Love it. There are always risks within a company. There will always be leaks and things. So the more you can do to avoid having these issues and spread your risk, the better it is for you, your stress levels, the successfulness of your company and the successfulness of your personal life. Hi there, and welcome to the Leaky Bucket Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Morgan, and this is the Financial Performance Podcast for entrepreneurs looking to get a better understanding of their numbers, to plug the leaks in their business, and to move from surviving to thriving. Hello, and Sam, thank you for joining me on the first episode of season four of the Leaky Bucket Podcast, where we delve a little bit more behind the scenes and we look at wins, leaks, the news, a little bit of a peek behind what's going on in our, our personal lives and how that affects the business. So without further ado, let's get underway. Well, thanks, Ian. So first of all, we've got the leak of the week, and I think you've got something there to share with everybody. Yes. Yeah, so the first thing is a leak relating to a client. Now, I don't have permission specifically from the client to be able to, to share any specifics of their details, but we do have, we could share the general fundamentals, right? So for that reason, we'll keep them anonymous and we'll just call them Adam. Okay. They have a particularly well-known credit card company that they use, and they were putting all their advertising costs through that. And from a bit of a um, system mess up or a computer mess up at the credit card company's end, they ultimately ended up triggering two issues. One, that meant that they tried to collect a whole month's worth of payments early. Now, the client doesn't keep that amount of money sat within the, car, in the, the account where the credit card company get, the money gets paid for. They do provisioning. So they basically put it all aside and so on. So actually those payments then subsequently failed when they weren't due, but the credit card company had messed up and tried to collect. But also off the back of that, because then the payments had failed, they're basically their algorithm went, well, you failed to pay us. We also cut your credit line. So the actual amount of credit they get was also cut. That left the client obviously with a significant number of issues. One in terms of I think they collected one part of the payment. I want to say it was £10,000 or so rather than the full amount because they did it in several payments. There was a knock-on effect in terms of some ads then were turned off because you know, Facebook and Google sort of went, you're not paying us, we'll stop advertising at this moment in time. And also that now they're at a position where they can't reinstate that line of credit because the credit card company is going, yeah, but you failed to make a payment. They go, yeah, but that payment wasn't due. So you've got this sort of stalemate position. So yeah, ultimately we ended up with a client with something that was outside of their control, caused a bit of a catastrophe, I suppose, within their business. Okay, so it sounds like this could realistically happen to anyone. It wasn't a fault of the clients. This was an external issue. Therefore, what could a client do in order to reduce the risk in the future? Yeah, so in this particular instance, we sort of, we went through that in one of our 
our FD sessions we had with the client, we raised the issue, we went through and we did some problem solving. And actually the result we came up with for this client was to spread their risk. So actually they were going away and they have now action that to apply for multiple other credit cards within the company. Not that they necessarily need the credit limit, but what they needed to be able to do to minimize the risk was spread some of their costs between different platforms. And therefore, if one of these credit card companies had the unlikely event, that same unlikely event in the future or something else, they can go, do you know what? It's now spread across four cards. That's only 25% of my business that's being affected. So it just offers that bit of protection by spreading the risk. Yeah, so spread the risk, increase the security. Brilliant. Love it. So I'm going to move on to the epic win of the week. And I think the epic win for this week is going to be our quarterly plan. So a quarterly plan is what we do within the company with the originally our leadership team, and then it goes out to whole team. And it's where the team bring any bits within the company that they feel could be improved. So we call them rocks. And we allocate one of those or two of those rocks to each person in the company in order to sort over the following quarter. So every quarter, we're consistently improving things within the business. Uh, Ian, do you want to expand a little bit more on why this quarter was such a good one? So I think this quarter was a particularly good one based on previous quarters, realistically. And the reason being, we've been doing strategic planning and quarterly updates and quarterly processes now for four, five years, something around that sort of level of time. And so far, apart from the very first one, which I think we, we failed astronomically at because we tried to just fix so much stuff, um, apart from that very first one, that actually most of our quarterly plans and the actual strategy has, has gone to play and it's come out as how we'd like it to be. But rolling into 2023, actually what we noticed is we had a plan about, an underlying plan about upping our quality overall. And actually, it became evident to us first that through that first three to six months that we had a few members of the team that weren't capable of going on that journey and going up to the next level. And we had to make some, I was going to say tough decisions, but maybe they weren't that tough once we'd established that they, they weren't the right fit. But we had to make some tough decisions to, to move some people on dragging us and some of the other team into in some more roles that we've got to do where we recruit replacements. And this plan was the first one where I felt like we were back to where we wanted to be. We'd hit a number of key targets, which I think we were somewhat surprised at maybe considering how off course we'd managed to go. We'd steered things back in. We'd got some good things in place. We could starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel. I don't know if that fits with your expectations and feels a, a fair representation yeah definitely I think um it it helps keep us on track and even in those moments like you say where you do veer off because sometimes things crop up within the quarter that you weren't expecting and therefore your direction does veer slightly um it helps keep you on target for where your goals are so even if those get delayed by a quarter because you have no choice in this instance it was the fact that um we uh fired some team members who weren't meeting the grade and we weren't happy with over a, a multiple period of time where things haven't improved they had to go and I think that pushed back some of the targets that we had in place then but that meant that then the following quarter comes around and we can look and be back on track 
with them rather than steering off course and never really bringing it back round. I think also a key thing this time is we've used an online system where we've put our rocks in there and we can monitor those now as to how the team's performing and how much they've completed. It shows a percentage of how that's worked. And as part of that rock, you can split it out to other team members if there's anything they need to be doing in order on that. So for me, I feel like we'll see an even bigger improvement when the next quarter rolls around and we've been on that system for the entire quarter then. Yeah, I definitely agree around the system. And actually that system, which was through a different mastermind program that we're also part of as well, which we're looking to then launch as a version of that ourselves. But through that, what we had was a more defined structure than what we had previously. There was sort of the, the developing a theme for the quarter was new for us, but I think it was good then for us as a leadership team to go, okay, that's the underlying theme. It was much easier to identify the priority rocks for us to, to focus on. But that overall day, the structure of going through that process was, yeah, it was really quite, quite clear and felt like we had, yeah, had a better outcome off the back. Yeah, much better outcome of it. It's uh, definitely been a vast improvement. And I think, like I say, coming around for the next quarter, I think we'll definitely see more and more improvements as those goes because it's just so much easier to monitor and stay on track with. And I think the fact that we were all online doing it made it easier, whereas normally us, in, us people in the company that are local all get together in the office and there becomes a bit of a disconnect between then the online and the in the office whereas actually this time because everybody was online I just felt it worked far better so moving on from there we're going to discuss about the buzz of the week so this is something in the news that we feel has a relevance to company life as well so we're actually going to discuss about the strikes that are going on at the moment so there's multiple government different types of strikes whether that be on the train lines in the NHS, doctors, nurses, etc., or whether that's teacher strikes, and all of which have affected us at some point in our personal life. But there is a link there to how it can affect us, other companies, business owners, etc. Uh, so we wanted to delve into that a little bit more. So Ian, are you happy to explain a few bits on that? Yeah, so I think maybe we'll come back to like whether striking's right or wrong, right? But that's not maybe the purpose of, of the discussion. The discussion more, I suppose, is to go, if striking is taking place, striking is very unlikely to take place in a small business, yeah, because most of them tend to happen in very large organizations or government-backed or government-based organizations. But I think what's interesting is the underlying effect in terms of on, our, on us as people, but also on business owners. So yes, there's the obvious and there's disruption. Yeah, So if, you know, if teachers are striking, then can you work because you've got like, children to look after and it's you know if doctors and, and that's striking then what's the effect on your health care and so on six hours in a and e as i experienced the other night with a daughter in yeah and i think that aside right most of the time they are striking because they would like an improvement to their pay or conditions now if we take and isolate it to government-based organizations government-based organizations Obviously, they're backed by the government. They're paid for through taxes, national insurance, and those effects. The effect of that, however, is that if they continue to get more and more pay, the government doesn't have more and more money in order to pay. So actually, then that has to come back around in increased taxes. If we're just looking at businesses from perspectives, we go, okay, well, if the business tax increases, then you go, well, hang on, you're making less profit, and therefore 
you need to be able to increase it, increase prices, make more profit, to be able to pay and have to absorb that additional tax. If you're looking at it from a staffing element, you go, hang on, if if now multiple businesses are affected by that and prices are now going up through multiple companies doing it, our staff then, you go, actually, now they need pay rises in order to pay for those additional elements. Then you go, wait, they need pay rises also to pay for tax because their tax may have gone up. We now need to increase our prices again further. And we're just creating this vicious circle to go, if taxes are going up or inflation's now going up or the costs are now going up, that actually now you've got to pay additional, you've got to charge additional. The luxury isn't there in, in smaller businesses to go, oh, we made a billion pound profit last year. Now we're going to make 900 million or whatever it might be. You go, well, actually, for most small businesses, that hit to profit from those what seem relatively small adjustments can be quite major. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. So it's definitely had an impact on us. We have noticed an, an increase in what you're needing to do in order to secure team members and get new employees in. And you can see those increases happening. However, it's also had an impact on us from a personal point of view that we have four children. So we are affected when the teacher strikes happen. I was affected the other night when I had to take our daughter to A&E. And we have been affected by train strikes when we've uh, been on business trips and personal alike. It's caused issues in terms of team members getting to work with the train strikes and bits. So I think there are multiple areas that there has impact. However, there is a side of me. So on that degree, I'd go, I don't agree with the strikes. However, there is a flip side to it where I can see where they are coming from in government organizations they have pay scales and those pay scales are just incremental or when you've reached the top of your band you move into the next band when you get the bits in non-government organizations you can go to your employee and you can go look i'm doing a good job i'm not happy with the salary i'm on and you can have a negotiation or you choose to move elsewhere where you would negotiate a better salary for the skills that you have. In the NHS, there or other government organizations, their choice would be to move out of that organization. They can't just simply, as far as I'm aware, they can't simply just go to their boss and go, I'm not happy with where I am. I believe I bring more to this company or what else can I do to achieve X results sort of thing? I don't believe that's the way the system works. So effectively, they end up with no option but to strike, to argue out the bans that are being achieved and what amount you get for them. Brilliant. Yeah, I, I agree. Certainly, I've, I've worked in the NHS and I've been subject to those bans. Chose not to strike when I was there because I didn't necessarily agree. For me, yeah, it just it didn't feel right. But I think rather than let's dive into those areas of whether striking is right or not, I don't necessarily think that's our place to, to necessarily do that. With it, certainly within the scope of this, this podcast, anyway, this is more the case of going, how does that affect more small businesses and what can we do? Now, I don't think we need to necessarily protect ourselves from strikes in small businesses because I think that's highly unlikely. But I think what we do need to be able to do is to go, actually, if such strikes are happening, what could be the long-term or even the short-term effects of that? And that could mean that maybe taxes are going up, maybe that actually salaries are going up, and therefore be aware of your own pricing and your own profit levels. Yeah, 100%. It's about being aware of it and having a plan in place 
for the future and what's likely to happen. So like you say, salary increases are extremely likely to happen. Plan for those. Uh, have a look at cash flows, et cetera. Get bits in place so that you know where you are in your company and what steps you would need to take and how you would resolve some of those issues. Fantastic. So I think we're now going to move on to our pick of the week. So I believe you've got a book that um, you've picked this weekend in order to discuss. Yeah, so I think off the back of our uh, our win of the week, yeah, which was around quarterly planning and creating rocks and that sort of stuff, I thought there was a, a good book. And the book is by a lady called Carolyn Taylor, and it's called Accountability at Work. And what Carolyn does is basically reframe the term accountability, because most people, when they hear accountability, there tends to be a little bit of a negative connotation, like, it's a little bit more stick than carrot, if you like. And you're, you're trying to make sure that I achieve these certain outcomes and how are you going to do that and so on. What Carolyn does is reframe that to call accountability promises. And so she would basically say, if you're having a conversation with somebody, then the conversation is, you agree what the outcomes are going to be. And then basically you, you finish up with, okay, can you say to me that you promise that you're going to deliver X outcome by such and such date? And that because of how, certainly from a very young age, most of us are taught you don't break promises. Promises are really important. That actually it's in there to go, actually, if I'm going to commit and say I'm going to promise to do something, I'm not going to say it unless I really think I'm capable of, of achieving it. Yeah, I can see how that works. We've had discussions around this previously when you sort of originally read the book. For it's a tactic that I use when talking to other people, specifically team members. However, it's not something that I myself am particularly keen on. I wouldn't go into going, I promise to do that for the simple reason that you just don't know what's going to crop up with other bits. So therefore, something could happen that meant that I couldn't achieve that and that would feel like I had let myself down. So I would always give 100% into something anyway and would have tried my best to sort it. So I don't see why I need to put a promise against it. But yeah, I can see that and I do see that for certain character types, that does help because it's like a sentiment, well, a, a statement to yourself, isn't it? That you've agreed to somebody that you will definitely get that done. I think from a very young age, we're taught that a promise is something sacred. So I do feel that it has an impact there on people. Yeah, I, th I think it just changes the conversation up front to go, actually, can people easily overcommit? And by going, okay, but you're promising that you're going to deliver this by that day, that people are like, oh, hang on. Yeah, okay, I don't want to break a promise. And actually then, if that was the case and, and the promise was broken, I think it's much easier to then hold somebody accountable afterwards and go, hang on, you promised to deliver that? And I think then they would always recognise and go, oh, yeah, I did, didn't I? And it's easier to have that. Whereas I think that is there. If you're just in a work environment, you go, okay, great. And you're going to get that done by X date without the word, word promise there. You're sort of meaning it, but it's not quite been that explicit. And I think this just ups the ante that little bit. So you're just that little bit more, yeah, this is what's being expected by such and such date. Yeah, I think for me, if I made a promise to get something done, though, 
I would have to make sure I got it done. And therefore, even if I had to work a ridiculous amount of hours, I would do that to get that done because I promised it was going to happen rather than going to the person and going, look, X, Y, Z's cropped up. I really can't get this done. So I feel like there, there is a flip side to it in terms of making that promise. Yes, it could mean that somebody puts in the hard graph to get that sorted. But actually, it could also mean that somebody does way above and beyond in order to sort that, which isn't necessarily fair or acceptable to have. I, I can definitely see that. Okay. But great. It gives us, I think, a good summary of that book. And maybe now we should be moving on. Yeah, excellent. So we're going to have a look now at a peek behind the curtains. So this is based around the fact that recently we've uh, been pulled back into the company into more technical roles and things than we were previously. As I mentioned previously, due to a few members of staff that we got rid of, that's mean we've been pulled back into those roles. And I think that's had an impact on us and our free time. So the peak um, behind the curtains is based on that um, and how we're changing that background, how things are going. Yeah, so I think both of us have been affected by this, right? That I've been drawn back into to a full-time technical role, whether that had been a period of time I've done a client manager role and now I'm doing an onboarding account manager role. But also that um, you've been dragged back into doing account, sorry, bookkeeping and VAT returns and all of that relating to our onboarding clients, which is something you did a number of years ago. And I, I think when we first created an onboarding department, and I think for both of us, there's been that there's been that challenge to go, okay, we're focusing back into a technical element, but there's still also this time that we need to dedicate to strategy and business development and, and so on. And how do you win and fight with that time? From a free time aspect, actually we spent a degree of time, so there were some challenges around our, our podcasts, yeah. And we actually spent a degree of time going out in our personal time, going and looking at researching a, a new cameras to be able to fix some issues where we've got around recording elements of that. Also, some time around the sound quality, setting this up, creating a new environment, coming up with a new structure. All of that, because of how much we were dragged into, into the technical work within the business because of our, our decisions we made in earlier quarters, all of that had to happen in our personal time as well. Yeah, and I think it's fair to say it's definitely had an impact at home. I mean, our children are sort of teenagers now, so predominantly they're quite happy to be without us as such while they're doing other bits. But actually, all of them have mentioned the impact of the last few months where we've had to be significantly doing things more within the company. But I think we've got that turnaround now of where things are back on track and we've got the new employees that are in place and you can really see those positive steps being back to how we were before. And I think that's the thing with being a company owner, that actually things don't always go to plan and sometimes there will be bits that mean you are pulled back into the company or you have to do something that's not within your normal parameters anymore of your role. And it's just working out a method for how can you improve that and getting back on track and making sure you stick to those targets that you've put in place in order to bring everything back into line again. Okay, so as a summary overall, what's our power move of the week? 
So I think for me, it's got to be the fact that spreading your risk in the company. So it goes back to the leak of the week earlier that you were discussing, Ian. And for me, it's got to be that because there are always risks within a company. There will always be leaks and things. So the more you can do to avoid having these issues and spread your risk, the better it is for you, your stress levels, the successfulness of your company and the successfulness of your personal life. What would you say on that, Ian? I'd agree. And, and that's coming from me, even though I'm a little bit more open to risk than what you are. But I think actually the fact that you're about processes and controls and things like that, um, I wonder whether actually you might even best be, be best placed to go, actually, ignoring the fact that this was a credit card-based issue, when you were looking at our business and you're looking to spread the risk, what, what are your considerations? What do you look for? What's the most practical tips, really, that listeners could take away from this to go, do you know what? That's what I should go away and do. I think probably the easiest thing for spreading your risk is similar to the sort of credit card scenario as such, but it's in terms of your standard bank accounts. Don't keep everything in one bank account. Have multiple bank accounts and spread your risk across because actually banks can freeze your bank account. And then what are you going to do? in terms of your company at that point, if you're relying solely on that one account. So don't get into a frenzy and stress about it. It, It is rare, but these things can happen. So the best thing, in my opinion, to spread your risk on bits is to have multiple accounts because you always still have access to money, income and expenses can still happen. You're not going to have as many issues then if one account gets frozen. Yeah, and I think similarly with suppliers. Now, where where possible, I think it's good to spread across multiple suppliers, right? But you'd argue in our business that we don't do that in one area in particular, which is through the use of zero. That we think zero is the best place in the market for the clients and the customers that we work with. We think it offers that best balance between what the system can do versus how it can plug into other apps and systems. And by knowing one system really well, we offer a much higher level of support than if we spread across multiple different platforms. However, that obviously goes against our argument of spreading your risk, yeah, because obviously we're in one platform and doing what we need to do. But what we do have is we do have a documented plan of what we would do if, for some reason, zero was broken down significantly, suddenly lost a load of the quality and that sort of stuff. So we have a plan in place to go, if that started to be the case, Here's how we roll out our disaster recovery type plan, I suppose, in terms of, yeah, that can't stay exactly as it is. Did you recommend that people are also doing that, like having a disaster recovery type plan if you can't spread the risk? Yeah, I mean, obviously that's ideal. And I think for every business, it probably is slightly different. So you should run through your things and go, you know, do I need to spread my risk here? If I can't spread my risk, you need to, what would I do if something happened with that? However, I do feel that's slightly different in terms of the zero element. It would be even if we spread it across different providers, there would still be an issue because you have to get a company connected to them and things. So there would be a delay and there would be an issue in terms of bits like that, Um, in which case the problem would have been solved by the company anyway, because they have such a mass amount of people that are fixing errors that are within it that it would almost be effectively a, a waste of time as such on our part. 
um, in my opinion, when you're looking at the bits like that. However, when it comes to a business bank account, that's a massive issue and risk to a company if your money is frozen and that almost stops your business at that point. So if you have access to other money in other accounts where you can continue and you can quickly swap bits over, then that's beneficial all round and a lot less stressful. Thanks, Sam, for, for giving that clarity with the Power Move of the Week. It's been absolutely brilliant going through everything with you. I think we've covered some really interesting topics, right, from obviously credit card companies through to strikes, through to quarterly planning uh, and strategic elements. So it's been really great. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Leaky Bucket Podcast. I'd love it if you could help spread the message by clicking subscribe and leaving a review. Also, please do reach out to me on LinkedIn and let me know your thoughts on this episode. You can also find more info and links in the show notes below. See you next time.